You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. everybody welcome back to another episode of the podcast this is episode number 21 hope you guys are doing well it looks like uh there's a lot of big fish being posted on those river bites going on this spring hope you guys have been able to find that bite locally on your body of water getting into some of these big fish hitting the rivers whether it's walleye uh you know looks like there's been a lot of chrome a lot of steelhead fishing going on Hope you guys have uh, been successful and spring's treating you good so far. Today's episode, though, I am joined by Drake Hurd from Renegade Outdoor Innovations and Renegade Manufacturing. And if you guys don't know who Drake is, I would highly recommend going to find him on social on Instagram uh, at Drake Hurd and look at some of his photos that he posts of his custom lures from Renegade Outdoor Innovations. Your mind's going to be blown. And head on over to renegadeoutdoorinnovations.com. I guarantee you're going to spend an extremely long amount of time on there uh, just going over the amazing different colors that he has. Uh, You'll hear me during the episode. I call him drippy because that's the first thing that comes to mind when I see him. But uh, we also get into his his humble beginnings and kind of how he took his passion to the next level. And then we also talk to at the end some of his uh, where you guys might know him from too is some television appearances on the next bite, and also be sure to check out Fish Addictions TV because they're doing some cool stuff uh, behind the scenes uh, behind the scenes stuff on the NWT, which is the National Walleye Tour that uh, Drake is going to be a part of as well. So go check it out. But for now, we're going to get into today's episode. Here we are with Drake Hurd. All right, man, what's going on? Not much. Um, I know we kind of touch base and stuff, and uh, I'm just kind of getting ready for the NWT, making lures. I got Easter coming up, so I'm dying <laughs> Easter eggs, and we kind of got everything going on. So you paint things for your your day job and, and customize lures, then you come home, and then now you're just you're making eggs real drippy too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of funny because my one son Hudson's a three year old. He loves to paint crankbaits. So it's like a second hobby to do these eggs and stuff. He gets all excited. So it's you a good br- time. You bring some home for him to practice on? He's a three-year-old with probably the most expensive tackle box out there. He always gets <laughs> seconds or junk ones, and then he dazzles them however he wants. So That's awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks yeah. for taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. But um, just for the folks who might not know you out there, just kind of say you know who you are, and then we're yep. going to kind of start from, uh, from your, your beginnings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, my name's Drake Hurd. Um, grew up in Alexandria, Minnesota. Um, kind of born and raised on the chain of lakes there and been fishing kind of all my life. Um, off the dock is where I started. And then I got a little, me and my brother got a little 14 foot crestliner with a nine, nine motor on it. And from there, um, uh, my passion just grew. Um, as soon as I got my license at 16, 
um, started guiding, um, doing that whole thing. And then I wanted to stay in the industry, but I knew guiding wasn't necessarily the answer. Um, so then I started basically manufacturing fishing lures for companies. And I basically started out in my parents' basement, um, you know, just with microwaves and, you know, molds and then kind of went from there. Um, now we manufacture basically anything in the fishing industry from crankbaits to leadhead jigs to twister tail grubs to spinner baits. I mean, you kind of name it. Um, we've just kind of grabbed avenues as we've went about it and gone from there. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get super into the weeds on that kind of stuff. But backing up a little bit, when you yep. when you were when you were fishing growing up and things like that, and you said that you're getting ready for the NWT, did you did you go from guiding to the NWT, or was that something that you picked up later on down the road? Um, I went basically from guiding, and then I started doing some local tournaments, and then I actually where I stepped up was actually the AIM Weekend Walleye Series, basically. Oh, okay. It's kind of where I got my first taste of, like, traveling. Um, you know, we'd always do a few local tournaments with my dad, um, but when we did that, you know, we had some success, and that's kind of when I grew. I fished that for two years, and then basically stepped up to the NWT after that. Okay. And how many years do you think it took you to get there? Um, oof. I've been fishing tournaments for a lot of time, but like, I would say probably four or five years, I did it pretty hard to know, know if I wanted to do it and something that I, you know, had passion for. Yeah. And I guess, I think a lot of guys fish those, you know, kind of those, those local tournaments. What pushed you to go to the next level? Like with the NWT, like how did you know it was right? Was it just something that, that felt right? Or did it come by so many wins locally or on the aim series or how did that Um, transpire you know i i would say it's a it's a combination of kind of all three that you've kind of mentioned there um one i just had the drive i saw all these guys on tv you know fishing walleyes which i love um so i wanted to compete against the best you know and that's why i just i took it a step at a time and you know i did have some success which absolutely helped um so then that gave me more confidence to say that you know hey i can hang with these guys uh, and do it, you know, and it's not easy. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was, it's a hard decision. It's hard on the family and everything, but it's my passion. You know, I I enjoy it so much. Yeah. I think that support, a lot of guys talk about that support, that home support, because even, I mean, obviously the financials is a burden, but it seems like on most guys for the most part, it's just the time away because a lot of times it's a week ahead of time, even longer pre-fishing. And then you have the week of the tournament. So, I mean, it can go a 10 day span of you not seeing your family. Yeah. Yeah. And and (laughs) what's funny is when I didn't have kids, um, honestly, it wasn't too big of a deal. I told my wife, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving, you know, (laughs) And, and it was fine. But now that I have Hudson's three, um, Porter is now one. I mean, it gets, it's harder cause you enjoy spending so much time with them, you know, sharing your passions with them and, and doing this, you know, the little things like nine Easter eggs. There's a lot of that stuff you miss out on. So you need that support. Otherwise, you know, you, a guy would go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I struggle with that too sometimes. And I don't know if there's any other parents out there, but you kind of feel guilty sometimes when you're out like you know, if you're pre-fishing or just fishing in general, because you're like, you know, some folks just look at it as like, you know, just a hobby or he just likes to fish. He's not spending time with his kids. But, you know, it takes a certain person to know that, 
well, it's, it's calculated time away from our family, if that makes sense. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. You're exactly right. So cool. So, all right. So the, so the tournament, you know, you, you've been going on that. What kind of, uh, I, I see that you run a tiller. Is you still running a tiller yeah. in the NWT? Yeah. That's I, badass, I man. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I am one of, you know, two or three that do. Um, I grew up in a tiller. I have never had a wheel boat. So I don't know any different, and I've just um, warriors, you know, given me the opportunity to run the, you know, the bigger motors with it, um, and I just love the space. You know, people think I'm nuts, and then you know they fish with me and they enjoy it. You know, the space, the room, and the ability that it has. How are the, you know, I I fish the um, NWT as a co angler in Saginaw Bay, and yep. how does it compare when a lot of guys are doing the long runs? Can you still do the long runs with the tiller? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's just a little different. I, actually, Warrior ha- and people don't know this. Warrior has their own steering system, so I actually steer with my right thumb. Is basically all I have is my hand on the the motor, basically for throttle, and then I actually just steer with my left and right with my thumb. So you know, like for example, Sakakawea, we were making 90, 120 mile an hour, you know, mile runs. That was no big deal. Even at Saginaw, I mean, we were debating whether to go 70 or 80 miles and granted the wind was a little different the first day. Right. Um, but I, I, I have confidence that I can do that. Yep. Well, that's all, yeah, I had no idea that they had their own steering system. Yeah. It, it, that's why everyone else puts two hundreds on a warrior because they have their own steering system that allows them to do the, the two fifties. Um, so that kind of gives me the opportunity to stay in the tiller. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. And that glass helps obviously ride the waves really well too. And yep. warrior's yep. got a great name. So, yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I seen you, uh, kind of updating your, your boat and getting it ready and things like that. I was like, man, it looks like a tiller and I'm sure shit it was. <laughs> I was like, wow, yeah. that's, that's yep. intense. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I think they're, they're well, there's me and Kent Anderson and then occasionally, uh, Matt Stefan or a couple other different guys will jump in on tournaments and stuff, but yeah. Well, cool, man. Yeah. I hope you stay true to that. Yeah. Trying to, <laughs> um, okay. So then your, you know, you, your career, has it always been in the fishing industry? Is that, did you know, like that's what you wanted to do or is it one day you were working a different kind of job and then switched over to what you were doing now? You know what? Honestly, I've been fortunate enough to being able to go basically right from guiding. I went to college and I could guide during the summers. And then when I graduated from college, I had a business um, degree in economics and business administration. And I basically had the opportunity to start my own company. Um, I was very fortunate that way. Um, Do I hunt too? Yes, absolutely. I I would love to get more into the hunting industry, Mm -hmm. you know, if I could to diversify. Um, but it's, it's just always been a passion for me and, and my whole family, um, growing up. So I've always wanted to be in it. So you have, um, so, so, so talk about the two sides of the business that you have. You have yep. rene- renegade manufacturing and then you have renegade outdoor innovations, right? Yep. Exactly. Can you just kind of talk about the, yeah. the, the aspects of both of those businesses? Yep, absolutely. So renegade manufacturing is the manufacturing side. That's where we, companies will call us. Um, you know, company XYZ and say, Hey, we want to get these jigs made, or we want to get these grubs made. Can you do it? Um, I'll help design the jigs, help make the grubs or whatever it may be. And then we manufacture them from start to finish. We've got injection machines or spin casters to cast the lead. And then we paint them, um, put any eyes on them, clear coat them, 
Um, and then we've got packaging machines where we, you know, pack them in whatever, two packs, three packs, whatever they want, seal them up and out the door they go. Um, so that's, that's my main, main business. Um, that's kind of where I've got my start and then renegade outdoor innovations. And my wife gets a little confused on it, even doing the taxes and stuff, but, um, <laughs> ROI. Is our, yeah, is ROI, which is our, our custom side of things. Um, we do a lot of custom painting and stuff like that and for other, other custom painters. Um, so we thought, why not have our own line too, while we're doing this, um, so that's where we came out with ROI and the way that we're different from every other custom painter is we definitely, um, excel in the soft plastic side of things. So we can custom paint crankbaits and, and rip and wraps or whatever else guys want, but then we definitely dive into soft plastics, which no one has been able to do. Yeah. And I'm, <clears throat> I want to get into that in a little bit. Yep. I want to back up a little bit when it comes to the yep. renegade manufacturing, Yep. On that on, on that side of things, how did uh, I guess how did companies find out about <laughs> yep. what you were yep. doing? Like, is it like something proprietary that you were doing in the basement? Like, how did that start? Like, I'm going to go after these companies and and do it for them, kind of thing. So, because I was guiding, I was going to sports shows, trying to get more, um, you know, days booked or whatever. And, sure. And I was meeting these tackle companies. <clears throat> And they were complaining because they, they didn't have a source or they were over in China and they want to come back to the United States. Um, and I was just, I mean, it just kind of clicked on me. Well, why can't I make them for them? You know, and it started out seriously as tying, you know, bucktail hair jigs for companies. And then I tied spinners and then we started spinning lead and, and then we got plastic injection machines and then we started doing crankbaits. So we just tried to grab avenues as they came about. Um, so that my company could be the, basically the one-stop shop. Now anyone can call me and say, Hey, I need this, this, and this. And I can say, yep, we can do that. Got you. And you keep, and you're saying we, so was there another business partner in with you or a, a, a team that um, kind of helped push this along? Well, I like to say we, obviously I started out in my parents' basement. <laughs> um, my dad now works for me. He's reti- He's retired. Um, but works for me now. And then obviously my wife, she takes care of a lot of the books, uh, and stuff, that side of things, um, to keep us afloat and tell me when I can spend money and when I can't. So, um, yeah, so that's when I say we, that's kind of how it is. So, and you know, as you're making these things and you're getting these orders and they're doing bigger and bigger, did it, did you get to a point where it was like overwhelming at one point or you're like, wow, we got to expand. Like kind of talk about like how, what, like, was there a certain lure that really like, you don't have to mention the company if you don't want to, or the certain type of lure you're like, wow, this is, this is, you know, accelerating intensely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there was definitely certain points. Um, you know, one of the lures and it's not really a secret, but we do a lot of stuff for chaos tackle, which is a musky company. Um, they have a lure called the Medusa. Um, that started just catching fish like crazy. Um, and that's definitely helped me out a lot. Um, it kind of got my name on the board cause people saw that I could do lead. I mean, there's so many components of that lure. Mm-hmm. So everyone could kind of see that. And that's where a lot of the growth came from. And then we, like I said, we just, it was kind of luck and people would just kept finding out about us and we kept you know, expanding. I mean, it was, it was crazy for a little while, how many people, you know, we have working for us and, and at times it's a little overwhelming, but 
um, you know, I enjoy it and wouldn't have it any other way. Talk a little bit about the testing of these lures. So obviously they're coming out of uh, the injection molding with you first. You're getting your hands yep. on them first. Are you are you and your buddies going out first and, and testing these things out and then giving feedback to the company? Or are you sending them some and then they test or what? Yeah. A lot of companies have their pro staff, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, um, you know pro staffs are both things. So um, obviously um, we test them to make sure that we think they swim right. And then obviously we send them to the customer then after that. Um, and then they, they send it out to whoever their pros, you know, maybe, or whoever they want input from, um, you know, when we start uh, making a lure, I mean, it's basically a one year process to get it from drying on a napkin or wherever it may be to completely done in a package, you know, ready to go to the customer. Okay. Yeah. Most companies do a ton of testing on it. They don't just throw stuff out there anymore. Okay. And a lot of the times they're coming to you with an idea of kind of like how they envision a lure or things that are important to them to have in a lure. And then you kind of mold it all together for them, right? Yeah. We've, I've seen everything from a drawing on a napkin on a, at a bar to (laughs) nice CAD drawings where it's all laid out for me, you know, um, whatever the customer, I mean, it, it just varies so much. Um, and some of them are just ideas and other ones come to fruition, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now the other side of the business, the renegade outdoor yep. innovations, which it's, it's one that I'm super intrigued by. And I spent a lot of time on your site, um, yep. looking at the different lures and I got to tell you the, the paint jobs and the custom colors on this are blowing my mind like so <laughs> yeah. bad. Like you just want to reach through the screen and grab them and throw them grab in your basket, <laughs> but yeah. you can't. Yeah. And you're, yeah. you're doing a great job with your photos yeah. of throwing them up there and making them look, yep. I keep using the word for some reason when I look at the lures, I call them drippy. I'm like, wow, that is drippy. <laughs> there you go. There you know. go. But uh, yeah, kind of get into that side a little bit of, uh, of what you're doing there. <clears throat> yeah. So we figured out um, a process basically to help us speed along and then also allows us to do it on any other bait. Um, not only crankbaits, but soft plastics. Okay. Um, so that's where, that's where it's so different. And people, once they see it, they just, it kind of blows them away for a little bit. Um, and then once you see them in perfect in person, you realize like, it's exactly how I show, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, but it, it, it's how we could be different. I, I just didn't want to be another custom painter. You know, there's a million of them out there. I wanted to do something different and unique. Yeah. And, you know, being on social, you see so many people doing custom lures and, you know, I'm not, yep. there's, there's a lot of great ones out there. Yeah. But if folks just take the time to go to your website and look at these things, there's something that's so catching about them. Yeah. Uh, one question that I had was yep. what kind of research goes into the color schemes? that's where I rely on my guys. So I, I've got a few pro staff that I rely on. Um, and they'll, they're constantly, I mean, we're always looking at other, other custom painters and stuff and how we can put our twist on them. But at the same time, then I'll get them colors, but we want the ones that actually catch fish. Um, that's one thing that we've strived on. Like this is actually catch fish catching colors. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so that's where I kind of rely on those guys or, you know, I'll be honest, sometimes we sit around and, and have beers late on a Friday night and, and just talk about colors, you know, or we'll go to a tournament and this one does well, but we want to tweak it. Um, so it's just 
however and whatever you can think of. And then we just kind of design her up and go from there. Now, when you pick out your, your pro staff or your guys that are testing your lures and things like that, yep. as someone who's designing these colors and, and throwing it out there, obviously you want diversity, right? From different yep. bodies of water. Are yep. you kind of looking at different areas of the country knowing like, you know, the stained waters of Lake Erie to the clear waters of like, you know, up by a uh, big or yep. little bay to knock, things like that. Yep. Yeah. We've kind of got guys kind of spread out all over. Um, that's, that's the hardest thing about it is, you know, a guy on Erie may love this purple color, but this guy out in Sakakawea or wherever wants it to be a little different, you know? So, right. so you try to, get a good mix and that's where i've got a group text that we basically just send pictures out and they'll say you know this one looks good this one's junk you know and we try to as best we can design colors you know for areas um but yet get the general public you know everyone involved so okay and then like customers things like that do you encourage them to send you photos of, of where they're at and then you throw that out on social media saying like I don't know, this neon green and purple is hot right now on Erie. Yeah, we, we try to as best we can. I mean, it's funny. A lot of guys, they want you to share, but at the same time, they kind of want you to keep it secret. So it's <laughs> yeah. like a catch-22, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's funny because guys are like, you know, hey, you know, I know we're really catching them on this color and we're ordering a lot, but can you just keep it quiet for a couple more months, you know? And I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, I, I get it, you know? But so it's always a catch-22, but it's it's fun and it's fun seeing the excitement and stuff that people are catching on your baits you know yeah and what's got to be helpful for you especially fishing the nwt you've got this web of research that's out there that you're kind of gathering i mean sometimes it's got to help sometimes you're like oh i knew that color was hot over there or trying that yeah it's funny like about two to three weeks before we go to an event yeah a few of the pros you know that use our stuff or whoever uses our stuff will start to order stuff and then i'm like huh i should maybe make like an extra one or two of those you know whatever it may be you know because you're always looking for that leg up obviously yeah wow there's a spike in that color (laughs) yeah exactly like what happened there you know (laughs) yeah exactly um and then the other question i had was you know, if you go on your website, it, it, it's really got everything for all types of anglers. You've got your musky lures, you've got lures yep. that work for bass, um, both on the hard plastics and the soft plastics. Um, walleye, you got your shiver minnows, you know, your ripping wraps, your your trolling stuff like your bandits and Yep. So how did you how did you pull together these types of lures? Did you kind of look at the all around angler that was going to come to you rather than, you know, cause some guys just paint hard baits for trolling yep. walleye or whatever yep. it is. Yep. Yeah. That was, um, definitely a big task to get started at first. Um, obviously walleye fishing's you know, a pretty big market, right. But that bass fishing, um, is massive, you know? Um, so we, we want to try to tap into that market and we're doing more and more soft plastics on, you know, creature baits and stuff like that. Um, so we're just trying to be as wide and as diverse as we can, um, you know, just to be different. Um, and then obviously the musky stuff, I, I wanted to do the musky stuff because we, I mean, we manufacture a lot of those lures for companies. Right. Um, so it's, and that's always been a passion for me is, you know, the musky too. So, 
And then, so you make a, do you order all the baits yourself or do you like, do you have things where guys are like, Hey, I'm interested in that color. Do they try to send you their baits that they have and you know, you take them and paint them yourself? Yeah, we will at times. Okay. But the the thing is with a lot of our colors, we paint them on certain backdrops or, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we will, um, absolutely, but we prefer if they just, you know, order offline. And if they have questions or something or, hey, we want to see this on a, you know, for example, we don't sell Salmo Hornets yet. Um, I would love to at some point um, here, but that's a great one where we still do it for a few guys, you know, that call and ask. And we say, oh, yeah, sure, we can do it. We just don't offer it yet to the everyone. You know, so yeah, and, and so you kind of just kind of see what baits are really popular. Obviously, like the flicker shads. There's a lot of people running yep. those. The minnows. Um, yep. Just going on the site right now, guys. There's a bunch of uh, uh, jigger craws on there for bass anglers, um, things like that. I mean, a ton of different swim baits uh, for soft yep. plastics. And is that what? So I know you said that there's really no one else doing the soft plastic things right now. Yep. I mean, you don't have to tell what what you did, but how was that process? Was that tedious to get to get it perfected? Two years it took me. <laughs> wow! As of like last November, last October, um, so probably five six months ago, I I had it perfected, but I knew about it two years ago. Um, it just we'd run into catches and I just, I'm like, I can't send this out yet. You know, one, the, the paint would crack or two on some baits, we couldn't get it to stick or, you know, just, just random things would pop up, um, that we wanted to make sure we had it right to where that plastic is going to be wrecked, ruined, just mauled before our paint is ever going to think about coming off. Um, so yeah, it took us two years to figure it out. And, and now that we have it dialed in, I mean, it's ready to go and we're having fun with it. What would you say is your most popular bait that you sell? I mean, besides color, like just type of bait. Um, Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would say the flicker minnows and flicker shads. We sell a lot of, um, ripping wraps and moonshines probably. It, it's so funny though because sorry i'm gonna go on about th- this a little bit no i like, want to hear it <laughs> different areas like i hardly sell any ripping wraps to the dakotas but you get around the great lakes and that's where we send all of our ripping wraps you know it, it's kind of funny versus like minnesota will buy jigging wraps a million times over before they're gonna buy a moonshine you know so it's kind of funny you know, certain areas or groups, you can see like trends, like, huh, they must've just found out about this, or they must've just found out about that. Um, cause you'll start sending baits that way. It's kind of funny how it all works. Yeah. And I'm going to circle back to this cause I want to talk about yep. some of your, your, your television appearances and then see if that yeah. has any influence on it. But, yeah. uh, so that's interesting. So yeah. So like, how was it painting the moonshine, like the shiver minnows and the jig and wraps? I mean, cause do you do that for ice anglers too? Yeah. So that's, it was funny. Like, um, I had done well on tournaments and stuff with jigging wraps and shiver minnows. So I was kind of aware of it. Uh-huh. Um, but I didn't realize how many people actually do use them for ice fishing. Um, generally it's the smaller sizes, but right. man, do a lot of guys use them, you yeah. know, for ice fishing. It's, it's kind of crazy. 
Well, you know, again, at fishing Saginaw Bay, especially through the ice, they're huge over there for us. They work extremely well. Yeah. And, you know, the, like those, but the smaller sizes, obviously, you don't want to throw anything that big like you're casting like you would in open water. Right. Um, but how do you see, do you see yourself expanding more into the ice fishing market or are you just kind of, for the most part, sticking in the, the open water stuff? You know, we've, we've talked about doing um, spoons. Um, yep. The thing is, is there's so many, like, I ice fishing. I don't know. It's a weird thing, but I think there's just so many different spoons, and each little, you know, tackle shop has their own version of it. Yeah. Um. So you're trying to get, and as you kind of tell, we're trying to get the mainstream so we can get the most people. You know that you yep. think the most people would get. Um. So we just got to kind of find those spoons, or you know or shivers or ripping wraps or whatever it may be, um, that everyone wants to use, you know? Got you. Yeah. And then you guys use a lot of, do you guys use a lot of spoons out there in the winter? A ton of them. A ton of them. Yeah. I mean, almost, I I mean, you'll, you'll have your guys that are just exclusively when it comes to jigging spoon guys. Yeah. Like they won't even, they won't even what kind of spoons, if you don't mind me, I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. So a lot of custom jigs and spins. So like the slender spoons, um, You got the Tingler spoons from VMC. Um, yep. Trying to think what else. Bait what about like clam, any clam ones or no? If they do, I, I they're not like the huge, huge yeah, the yep. huge poppers that, that that I know about. I know like yep. uh, Bait and Knock um, uh, do jiggers are huge. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. I like the slender spoons a lot. Um, I would love to. That was that was kind of on top of our list of, of ones to do. I, I fish those a ton. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny, a lot of companies, when you first approach them about custom painting, they get real nervous and they're like, well, I don't know. You might cut into, you know, our selling, but then they realize as how many baits they sell to us we're, we turn into a lot of times their biggest customer because, you know, we're just giving, you know, offering their baits in more different colors and they're still selling them. You well, know? Yeah. Look at the numbers there. I mean, the, yeah. really at the end of the day, whether they sell it to you guys for wholesale or whatever, they're still, or to a store. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's or, the difference? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're still getting yep. their numbers up, which is, they're just going to yep. be more dollar what they signs want. for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you see a lot of guys doing that too, where uh, they'll take them, paint them at home, then put them back in the same wrapping, yep. kind of, and then and then go to the shows. But yep, um, yeah, dude, I hope you guys do get into the ice fishing market a little bit more. I think you know, if you guys were to take a slender spoon, like maybe some of the stamped ones, you guys can do yep. some damage with those. It'd look really cool. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, okay, so last question about the business, and then uh, yep. we'll move on to some other stuff. Where do you, I know we talked a little bit about just now with ice fishing, but where do you see the business expanding in, 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 into the future? Um, we've debated this a lot. Um, and I think our, kind of our next step is we, we've, we've, uh, talked with a few of the big box stores about trying to manage, um, getting in with them. And I think that's kind of our next step is to get out to more people. Um, we're trying to manage our growth at the same time because you only get one shot a lot of the times to, to go with these box stores and make them happy. Um, so we want to make sure the timing's right and stuff, but I I definitely think we're just trying to get more tackle shops and stuff 
um, aware and then try to get more people aware of the website. Got you. Yeah. Well, cool. So, I mean, for everyone listening here, you guys got to go check this out at renegadeoutdoorinnovations.com and just, I guarantee if you go on the site, you're going to be <laughs> hanging out for a while. I'd be yeah. interested to see your guys's, um, the back end of your website. So yeah. to see how long, like the average time someone spends on your site, cause it's gotta be a long time just yeah, gazing at your guys' lures. Yeah. It's funny. It, it really is. And, and I never knew there was like that sort of stuff on the backside. Um, until I saw it on our website, you know, once they designed it up, they're like, well, you can see how long, well, guys must sit at home, you know, late at night and just think <laughs> about this stuff or where they could use it. You know what I mean? So it's oh, kind yeah. of funny window shopping, man. That's what yeah, it is. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right, well, cool. Um, okay. So getting back into the fishing side of things, um, yep. you know, I, I followed you on social media for a while and then, you know, obviously your lures, and then, you know, you start to pop up on TV shows like The Next Bite and things like that. Yep. How did that come to fruition? Was it part of, because you actually have Gary Parsons quoted on your website saying, just complimenting your lures. Yeah. How, how did that come about? Was it the lures that brought you to The Next Bite or did you just know those guys from like the tournament side of things? Um, it was a little bit of both. Um, when I started fishing the AIM, you know, those guys are big into AIM. Yep. Um, it's a funny story. The first time I ever met Gary Parsons, we were on Green Bay and we <laughs> we were trying to run the exact same line, me and him, all day, three days in a row. <laughs> and we battled each other as to who was going to get there and what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and at the end of the tournament, he goes, you know, I was so pissed at you at times, but I knew you were right. And, you know, I mean, it, we went back and forth. So that was the very, very first time I got to meet him. Um, and then we just kind of hit it off. Um, How intimidating and, was that where you're over there trying to bump Gary Parsons yeah, off his line? I know, I know, I know, right? I'd be um, shitting my pants because you're like, man, if he gives me a bad name through the industry, I'm, yeah, I'm screwed. It, exactly. No, I definitely was. I, one thing that Robert Cardenas has always told me, though, is he says, you know, no matter how big their name is, you got to stand your ground, you know, with these guys or they'll just push you around all day. Sure. Um, so I, I tried to do that as best I could. And I think Gary kind of appreciated that after the fact mm -hmm. um, that I wasn't just backing down. So but it, it is definitely intimidating, you know, him or Tom Keenan or Tommy Scarless. I mean, you, the list goes on that you're fishing against, um, but it's fun. So. Um, so that's kind of how I got to meet those guys. Um, and then I got to film a, a musky show a few years ago, um, with chase, um, on my home waters. And then Gary said, you know, Hey, if you ever get onto a walleye bite, you know, let me know. I'd love to come over in the fall and, and film something over there. And that's when we got to do the, the walleye thing last fall, which was really cool. Yeah. How was that getting in the boat with them? Like, you know, in the industry and, and big names like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, growing up, obviously you you knew about those guys and things like that. Is that a surreal moment, kind of, you know, with absolutely, your yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you would get my wife on the phone and have her talk about how nervous I was <laughs> prior to those shows, I mean, she was just she's like, you got more nervous for those than you did tournaments, you know, right? And you just you you want to provide a good show, not only for sure. them but for the for the customers, and then. You're on the Discovery Channel. I mean, how many guys get to be on the Discovery Channel for fishing? Dude, it's big you know, time, it's a, man. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a very select few. So, I mean, it's definitely cool. It's nerve-wracking. But, you know, the <laughs> when Chase got there the first time, he goes, Drake, we're, we're going to be fine. Let's just enjoy it, and we'll, we'll get it done. Well, we did, and then it, it took a lot of relief off my shoulders, you know. As I was watching that episode with the Muskie and, um, <laughs> you know, watching you guys out there, yeah, I, I was thinking, like, I know one of those guys probably knew about the musky bite, but musky are so hard to catch. And can you just talk about, I mean, if guys who watch the show, just kind of your game plan going into that, you know, were you known in your guiding career as, you know, successful yeah. with the musky kind of thing or like how did yeah. that happen? Um, actually, I mean, I was guiding walleyes a lot okay. of the time and then I would meet the musky guys, Jason Hammernick and Brad Hoppy. Um, and we, we, we would fish the same spots, you know, I'd be whacking walleyes and they'd be catching muskies 10 feet away from me, you know? Okay. Um, so I got to meet them and then I started doing, you know, we'd get big groups and stuff. I started doing the musky trips and stuff. So I did more and more, um, of that stuff. And I, I knew we always had a really good sucker bite and a casting bite in the fall. Um, I just had to get someone to come over and film it because it would, it would be cool, you know? Yeah. I was just thinking watching that show, like, wow, that's got to be a lot of pressure to try to film a musky show because it's like, who knows how that's going to go. I mean, walleye, for the most part, yeah. a little bit more predictable than that. but Right. Yeah, it was. So, and, and you don't really get to see this, but so the first day, first spot, we're 15 minutes in, I get one. I mean, I was like, oh, God, we got one. That's That's at least a big relief. So... I said, Chase, you're, you know, Chase is up next if we get him on the sucker rod. Chase proceeded to lose like six in a row. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my God, we're not going to get this done, you know. And so Chase was feeling the pressure. So then we let Jeff go. And when once Jeff got one in, then it was game on. And I can't I don't even remember how many we caught. It was like eight or nine or ten of them we ended up catching over, a, you know, a two day span. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, it turned out to be a great episode. And, you know, I appreciate them showing, like, <laughs> at the end when you guys, like, that one I think was on the sucker and you went to uh, wind down on it and set the hook yeah. and the drag wasn't set. So yeah. it's just like, oh, shit, that, there goes that one. If you believe it or not, that was the very first fish. Was like, it really? Yes. I was so nervous. <laughs> Jake was in, Jake, the camera guy, was in on the mics. He's like, Drake, you're breathing so hard. And I'm like, dude, I'm nervous right now, you know? So, yeah, it, it was funny. That was the very first fish. I was so nervous I didn't even set the drag. <laughs> Dude, you played it off great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, all right, and I just want to, you know, kind of to close this out a little bit. Um, yep. Anybody out there in the industry who really wants to make this part of their career, part of their passion, kind of like what you did. Yep. What kind of advice do you have for them? Um, I would say there's so many different ways to be in this industry. Um, keep your eyes open. For example, um, you know, some of the guys, they go after sponsors, 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 and that's how they're going to try to make their living with tournaments and stuff. Some go after guiding. Um, but there's a whole another Avenue, obviously me with manufacturing. Right. Um, you know, there's a, there's a ton, a huge need for manufacturing in the United States and, and within the fishing and hunting industries. So I definitely tell them to, you know, keep that in mind if you want to do it, you know, but then also there's the retail side, um, of things. Um, obviously you could work for a fleet farm, a Cabela's, a Bass Pro, 
or like a clothing company or, or whatever. There's so many different avenues. Don't just get set on being a pro fisherman because there's very, very, very few people that get to do that full time. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you can probably count them on a, on a few hands, you know? Sure. So I would say if you're going to do it, just keep a, a wide mind, a wide, you know, keep your options open because there's so many different um, avenues to stay in the fishing and hunting industry. Yeah. And I always ask some of the guests that I have on that are heavily entwined into the business side of things and, you know, just yep. who, who've been in it for a while, like yourself, how does the outlook look for the industry? Do you see it trending up or trending down? Um, I think up, you know, I, I think everyone's excited right now. Um, you know, the, there's the, the whole new bass tour. Yep. Um, I think they're going to expand into walleyes and musky fishing is, is growing at such a rapid pace. It's kind of crazy. Um, so I think it's going up. Um, you know, you always hear that, you know, there's less licenses getting bought and, and yep. less kids and stuff. But I think the industry is starting to realize that. And now we have the college programs, the high school programs, you know, that I think are definitely helping to bring that back around to fruition and, and back into the mainstream that we need to get youth or we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And, you know, exactly for an example, like what you're doing with your son, he's painting plastic things yeah. that are lures and you know it, that gets him jacked in the morning or whatever to wake up and go <laughs> yeah. fishing with you it's just little things yep. like that to introduce uh you know both you know boys and girls into fishing and, and and keeping it alive like that i think is important and you hit and i also think you hit the nail on the head with uh getting involved in the high school and the college side of things you yep. know a lot of the times in high school and college you don't have to play you know one of the main sports to, yep. you know, you, you, like some of these fishing teams are getting on national TV and, you know, they're yep. becoming huge, uh, social media stars and things like that yep. just from, just from fishing and doing fishing. what they like to do for their schools. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I wish, <laughs> I, I so wish we had that back in the day. I say the same that's thing, all, man. I would have never done hockey or anything. I probably would have just fished or hunted the whole time. I would have folk, I would have tripled down on fishing and hunting for yeah. sure. Yeah, exactly. So, well, cool, man. Well, hey, thanks for uh, coming over to do the podcast. I know uh, we've been trying to get this lined up for some time now, but yep. um, where can folks find you and then uh, obviously your your business? Yeah. Um, obviously, they can fo follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Drake Herd. Um, and then I have my Renegade Outdoor Innovations, which is renegadeoutdoorinnovations.com, is the website. Um, we have Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. So feel free to, you know, to message us at any time. I'm always willing to help, um, answer as many questions as I can and everything. And then, um, you know, one thing that I wanted to touch base with on just a little bit briefly sure. is, um, the fish addictions, um, series. Um, I know we kind of talk about the next bite a little bit, but what we're trying to do with that is we have a camera guy that follows us on tour, um, so we're trying to show people the kind of the behind the scenes and the life on the road um, of traveling for the NWT and stuff. So, um, you know, definitely take a look at the Fish Addictions episodes and, and, and give us feedback. We want to know if you like it or if you don't. It's something new. Um, it's different. And we want to hear about that, too. Yeah, I seen that uh, last year. They were filming that a little bit. I seen Eric and them walking around with some cameras and things like that, too. At uh, That's cool. Yeah. I think I think people need to see the side of that. Yeah. Yep. So we're hoping people enjoy it and, uh, we're looking forward to another year coming up here in a few weeks. 
Well, awesome, man. All right. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll be in touch. Cool. Good luck, good, great, luck at, good luck this season, too, at the NWT. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Yep, no problem. See ya. There you go, guys. That's it. That's all. That's episode number 21 with Drake. I want to thank Drake for coming on the podcast, and be sure for you guys to head on over to renegadeoutdoorinnovations.com and also check out Drake. Uh, .herd on Instagram to follow him on there to see what kind of crazy lures that he is uh, customizing next. And remember to check out Fish Addictions TV as well to see the behind the scenes of the National Walleye Tour. And uh, I think those guys are really onto something to uh, show the behind the scenes of what it takes and uh, kind of what goes on at a tournament. If you've ever been curious about the National Walleye Tour, there's a lot that goes on there. And uh, that'll be really interesting to watch. In the meantime, it would mean the world to me if you guys head on over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating if you see fit and leave a review. Comment there. I read all the reviews. And uh, remember to continue to follow me on Instagram. DM me with any questions, topics, or anything like that you guys want me to cover or go over with a potential guest. As always, thank you for listening. And we'll catch you right back here for another episode of the podcast. Take care, guys.